episode seven. Alexander the Great podcast. How's it going, everyone? Fucking out. Greece is on fire. The fire is about 50 kilometers away. 50 k is about what is it? 20 20 miles? No, 30 miles, something like that. So it's fucking close, man. So I might as well record an episode now, seeing that I have all my gear, my microphone, my computer, and my notes. This might be the last ever episode if my house goes on fire. <laughs> Fuck me. Uh, yeah, if you want to help the podcast, please donate on my PayPal page or through Patreon if you want to provide something every month. Um, every review has a, uh, a write a good review, a funny review, five stars, make it lovely and put a bit of effort into it and I'll send you a gift depending on the, on the best review. Um, I hope everything's okay. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Send me a message on Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook and also on, uh, what else? I'm on also on YouTube. Um, that's it, guys. Hope you liked the episode. Bye-bye. Last time we saw Philip for the first time as king of Macedon lose his first battle to Fokida's latest general, Onomarchos. He loses two battles. We don't have specifics about each one, how it went down and that sort of thing. After his loss, he takes his men back to Pella, which he has to reorganize and re-strategize his shit, right? Basically, he's just taking a step back to see where he was falling short. We're in the summer of 353. Charitas, an Athenian general, whom we have talked about a little in previous episode, was marching against Kersovleptis. He manages to conquer a place called Sisto, and with the Ecclesia's blessing, all the men are killed and the women and children are sold into slavery. Now, this kind of thing definitely has an age well, right? You would think, because Athens being the birthplace of democracy and all that, are kind of like hippie people. Yeah, bro, you and me, we're equal. But that couldn't be further from the truth, as the people of Sistor would have loved to tell you. In the meantime, the Chalkidikian link, or, or Olynthians, or however you want to call them, are trying to form an alliance with Athens. Philip is going to remember this. All right, bitches, I guess that's how it's going to be. In about a year after Philip was back in Pella, he somehow manages to take care of all the immediate threats. We don't really have information about how he did this. If you remember, we closed last episode with the Illyrians, Peonians and Thracians having a different opinion about Philip after his loss against Onomarchos, after his two losses. So Philip begins his descent into southern Greece with an army of 20,000 infantry and 3,000 cavalry. Lycophron from Ferez finds out that Philip is making his move, so he runs off to tell Anomarchos, yo, help a brother out. Justin tells us that Lycophron also bribes the Athenians to help. Not sure why he had to bribe them. I'm sure they would have loved to help free of charge. Who, Philip? Yeah, of course we'll help. Hey, I tell you what, we'll pay you to let us fight him, is what they probably would have said. Uh, we should remember that they were, this is Athens, right? They were hoodwinked by Philip a few times with the whole Amphipolis situation. Philip was saying he was fighting to get the city and then simply give it to Athens. But when he actually held the city, he just kept it for himself. So the Athenians decide to send Charitas and his fleet to the Parasitic Gulf, Parasitikos in Greek. So you can keep an eye on Parases, a Thessalian harbour. 
He was told to keep the harbour out of Philip's reach until Onomachos joined the club and brought his Ferem cavalry and mercenaries. But uh, for Kian cavalry, really. Uh, but they haven't taken into account the lightning speed that the Macedonians are capable of travelling. Philip meets Onomachos on the plains of Crocus or Crocheon in Greek. Philip orders his men to wear roller, roller, <laughs> laurel wreaths as a symbolism that they are fighting in honor of the god Apollo. Justin tells us that because of this, some Phocians start to feel guilty, therefore giving up some of the positions. Philip's 3,000 cavalry beat the 500 Onomarchos had, and 20,000 Macedonian Sarissas managed to find an uncovered part of the Phocian phalanx and jam it in. Victory was absolute, as NGL Hammond says, also a great historian who's written a fabulous book, fabulous, uh, an amazing book about Philip. Uh, the Phocians lose 6,000 men, and another 3,000 are kept hostage. Under Philip's orders, the hostages are sentenced to death by drowning, as is the tradition in Greece when dealing with a sacrilegious. Onomarchos was one of the 6,000 men who died. He drowned while swimming towards the Athenians. Philip finds his body and orders for it to be crucified. He makes an example out of him and basically warns everyone else, don't fuck with the gods or you're going to be dealing with me. Philip is obviously mim mimicking the Punisher, you may be thinking. Also, what might have crossed your mind is this guy is a very religious person, right? But something is telling me that he's being this extra patriotic, extra vengeful person because he wants the other Greeks to take a liking to him, right? The Phocians don't give a shit, right? They've just lost the battle, they hear about Nomarchos' death, and like, yeah, so what? So they just pick a new general, Phylos, and uh, <laughs> you have to be impressed with their lack of self-awareness, right? Even though they've lost their third general, I think the third, half their army, yeah, man, we're just ready to go. Phylos just takes a bit of extra money from the treasury at Delphi and hires some extra mercenaries. This time, the payroll is double what it was for the average mercenary. He's trying to make them not feel guilty about the fact that they're stealing from the secret treasury. Lycophron from Ferez gives himself up and his city to the Macedonians. Philip allows him to leave the, seat, the, to leave the city. He even takes his buddy Bitholaos, another tyrant from Ferez, along with 2,000 mercenaries. Philip is going to regret this, right? Bitholaos and Lycophron are going to be creating some trouble for him in the near future. The Athenians, ever since Philip's victory, get an iffy feeling about the war. From now on, they're not going to be as invested as they once were. The Phocians are counting on other cities, mostly animal enemies of Thebes, cities like Sparta, uh, Corinth, Epidavros, and Fliundas. The battles are going to be small. Philip has definitely shown everyone that they were wrong to count him out. I guess Stallone was right, you know? It's not about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. With a fucking accent, I can't do the American accent very well. Uh, after defeating the Phocians, he is trying to implement some kind of regularity on his southern borders. So he doesn't head to central Greece and put an end to the sacred war like the Thebans would have loved him to do. 
No, he's keeping an eye out for himself. That's a nice lesson for everyone, right? You've got to look out for yourself. No one else is going to do it for you. So he goes to Thessaly. The Thessalian League love him. But Ferez are the ones that are creating all the trouble. Philip is going to get married for a fifth time, a lady by the name of Nikisipoli. She was a niece of Jason, a tyrant from Fereza we mentioned last time, whom the Thessalian League had assassinated. They're going to have a daughter together called Thessaloniki, meaning Thessalian victory. And it's from this little girl that in a later time, Cassandra is going to name Greece's modern co-capital, Thessaloniki, Salonika, very beautiful city. So we see Philip want to have Ferez on his side, marrying into one of the top families in the city. In 352, he banished some Ferean citizens, politicians to be precise. They were trying to get people to attack cities like Tricala and Farcadona. Yeah, what you're doing? I'm trying to create some stability over here. Other devoted members of the League get special treatment like Pelina, Cranona and Gomphus. He gives them land. And to make up for the loss, he sells part of the population into slavery. It's all about balance. Uh, also, he renames Romphus to Filippopoli, Philip's town, Ipoli to Filippo. A big moment for Philip, right? Naming his first city after himself. Alexander is going to, is going to name somewhere around 70 cities after himself. So we see where he got the idea from. He takes Ferres's harbor. In the Pagasitic Gulf, this has to sting, right? Watching someone else run your harbor. And it's also around this time, 352, that Thessaly names Philip lifetime ruler of Thessaly. Most of the remaining texts we have from ancient Greece were written by Athenians. Now, I want to believe other states also wrote down their thoughts, but they were lost, right? It was 2,500 years ago, after all. We are very lucky with what we have. So we don't completely know <laughs> where, where I want to go with this. So we don't completely know what a lifetime ruler of Thessaly means. We know for certain that Philip would from now on command the Thessalian army and its impressive cavalry. We don't see him use the title Tagos, which uh, this was clearly a Thessalian title, right? The last thing he wants to do is piss off his most powerful at the moment, allies. Uh, that's probably why he got married to Jason's niece. It probably helped him get named lifetime ruler of Thessaly. He now has four votes for the Amphictyonic Council, as the towns Perevia and Magnesia each had two votes, now become his. Any taxes they pay are now being sent to Philip, and he then installs Macedonian garrisons and tells his local population in Macedonia, hey everyone, you should start thinking about moving down south. The weather is better, we can loot small towns much easier, and it's just a nicer place to be. He sends his people to Tembi. This is a part of Greece that everyone who travels from north to south has to cross. So it's a great opportunity to check who's coming in, who's going out. You know, what have you got there? Is that that special wine that's going to the Elysian Mysteries? By the way, anyone has anyone read the Immortality Key? Please let me know what you think. It's definitely on my list. I'm definitely reading that. I'm reading something else at the moment. Um, Philip now sets his sight to Thermopylae, Thermopylis in Greek, or Hot Gates would be the literal translation from Greek. It's called the Hot Gates due to its hot sulfur springs. The Greeks thought that the water's heat meant that it was a gate to the underworld. 
the same uh, Thermopylae or hot gates that Leonidas' 300 men, along with 400 Thebans and 700 Thespians, had their famous battle against the Persians. They were the last that were left after Ephialtes, today's modern Greek word for nightmare, ratted out a way that the Persians could reach the Greek coalition's army's rear. As Worthington says, whoever controls the hot gates controls the entrance into southern Greece. Philip would have agreed with Worthington, uh, but Pitholaus, being a clever little cunt he is, manages to beat Philip to it. After, of course, he gets a bit of extra money from the treasury of the Oracle at Delphi, money that's going to be used for mercenaries. My little dog, Kasper, or Kasper is underneath the... So if you can hear any breathing, it's him. <laughs> Uh, other cities are going to help focus. Uh, 2,000 soldiers are sent from Achaia, 1,000 from Sparti or Sparta. Sparta. Um, let me do a little break. Uh, the Spartans would have said Sparta because they're Doric. They speak Doric Greek. The rest of Greece they, or the Ionian Greeks would say Sparti. In Greek, in modern Greek, we say Sparti. So the translation, though, you hear, I'm guessing if you're English-speaking, you hear Sparta a lot, which is how the Spartans would have said it. So if I say it the wrong way, Sparta, Sparta, they're both right. Uh, anyway, yes, uh, 2,000 soldiers are sent from Achaia, 1,000 from Sparta, 5,000 from Athens, plus 400 cavalry and 2,000 infantry from Ferez under Lycophronas. Lycophronas, who was let free by Philip, I told you earlier this was going to bite him in the ass. He should have got rid of him, but, you know, you live and you learn. The cities I mentioned earlier, Achaia, Sparti, Athens and Ferez, are not fighting to honour Phocis's legacy, right? They don't give a shit about all that. They're fine, how it was doubled, yada, yada, yada. The only thing they care about is don't let the Macedonians cross the hot gates. In their mind... Philip will probably have the Thessalians with him, maybe even the Thebans. Both these cities have shown hostility against Phocis, Athens and Sparta. So uh, it's going to, you know, it could be entirely possible they're all working together. So in August of 352, Philip arrives at the hot gates with a few Thessalians, nothing crazy. And he sees a massive coalition of armies. <laughs> the hot gates are famously, war famously back then a tight passage, so Philip doesn't have room to spread out his cavalry and his well-trained phalanx. He already has a loss against Onomarchos. He knows that you only get a certain number of losses before your army stops taking you seriously. If he had some Thebans helping him, maybe he would have had the chance. The Thebans were open to helping him, but not after he was called lifetime ruler of Thessaly. When Philip decided that he wanted to expand in his influence in Thessaly and not attack Phokida and just simply end them, he showed his true colours, right? He was not taking part in the Holy War in honour of Apollo and all that silliness. He was taking part in the Holy War for his own interests. And with that in mind, the Thebans hold a neutral stance. Philip realises that he's about to get his ass kicked, so he returns to Pella. Now, you can't blame him, right? It says a lot about his, about his character, that he didn't just go out on an all-out attack, and whatever happened, happened. Yes, he did have a goal, the hot gates, but the variables have completely changed. It's not just the Phocians, it's the Athenians, Spartans, Achaeans, and that prick Lycophron. 
So yeah, Philip bounces back to Macedonia. This was in August of 352. In November of that year, he was in Thrace. So it's not like he went home and, you know, cried himself to bed every night and watched Bridget Jones's diary. <laughs> he didn't grab a couple of boys and decided to show them a good time, you know, Greek style or fourth century before Christ Greek style. No, he pretty much got straight to it. The problem had started uh, when he was busy in southern Greece. Thrace had Kers of Leptis trying to unite all of Thrace into a single kingdom. Also, Olynthos had formed an alliance with Athens. He's given a chance against Kers of Leptis when Byzantium, Perithos and Amadokos all team up against him. They in turn then ask Philippos for help and he's like, yeah man, come in. Oh, fucking hell. Someone's moving stuff upstairs. Sorry about that. So, yeah, so they ask for, they ask Philip for help, so they help him. So he says, yes, of course, I'd love to, um, beat Kers of Leptis. Uh, he meets up with his team at the Ireon Walls, a fort close to the Sea of Marmara, about 560 kilometers away from Pella. The Athenians find out that he's this far away from home, and they order an emergency meeting. They tell everyone that they have to pay additional tax and save to save the precious city. The Athenians are fearing that they would lose their connection to their main wheat supplier from the Black Sea. So their thinking is, if Philip conquered Thrace, it's up to him if they starve or not. They manage to put together 40 talents, and with this money they get 40 triremes packed with Athenian citizens and are ready to send them to Gersovleptis. Gersovleptis is hiding some of the truth, right? He hasn't told Athens that one of the enemies is Byzantium. Byzantium is a powerful state. Nothing good would come by fighting them. So the Athenians are having second thoughts. Some of the smartest of the group start talking. They end up giving up on the whole idea. For now, they're staying home. Something happens to Philip. He needs to lie down for a few days. It could have been the flu, a hangover. We don't have a clue. So the Athenians are like, yeah, now we got him. So they send 10 triremes, but with mercenaries this time. But as we know, even the worst hangover passes. Philip gets better and continues to besiege the city. He is successful, and he then gives the city to Perinthos. At the same time, Philip finds Kersovleptis' son. He was probably in the city he was besieging. He takes him back to Pella with him. For most people, you know, if someone was to take your child, you would probably give up, right? Okay, I'm done. But, uh, but not Kersovleptis. He doesn't give a fuck, as we're going to see at a later time. The boy's going to be taken care of. Most people, including myself, think that he was going to be one of Philip's youths, as we saw in a few episodes ago. Uh, on his way back, as we can tell by reading Demosthenes' first Olynthian speech, he says he tries something in Olynthos. This probably means he just told them, hey guys, remember Alliance? Yeah, you do? Okay, good. We know for sure there was no bloodshed. Demosthenes would have loved to tell us. And uh, in 351, we're in 351 now, a couple of years ago, remember in 352, after Philip's defeat by Nomarchos, Olynthos had taken a look around and see who else wanted to have an alliance with him. But that, it didn't go much further. Philip is doing better nowadays, so they assured him it's all good. For them to prove their loyalty, he asked them to exile uh, an anti-Macedonian politician by the name of Apollonidis. Yes, anything else, Philip? 
Yeah, you're going to use two friends of mine, Lasthenis and Ephthikrates, as your cavalry generals. Absolutely, say the Olympians. The Peonians, Illyrians and Epirotes want to split Macedonia. Philip stops this from happening. The Molossian king, a tribe from Epiros, is still going to be Erivas, but with much less power. And just to be sure, he takes his son to Pella. The boy's name is Alexander. This poor kid is Olympias, his nephew and brother. Don't ask me how that works. It's a people of Epiros. They have their own customs. And while he's uh, taking Alexander to Pella, Philip also takes the Molossian currency out of circulation and switches it with his own. Philip is always taking care of business. And one final comment about Philip taking Alexander. Like, it's definitely strange, to say the least. He already had Olympias, Arivas' uh, niece, and he decided to revolt. You know, would taking his son make that much of a difference? Maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe Justin is right. He claims that Philip was just into the kid. He was a PYT, a pretty young thing. He was born in 370, so now he's roughly 20 years old. You know, it could have been love at first sight, but uh, Justin gives us a different reasoning. This is straight from Justin. He engaged him after earnestly tempting him with hopes of his father's throne and pretending violent love for him in a criminal intercourse, thinking to find greater submission from him, whether through shame on account of his guilt or through obligation for a kingdom conferred upon him. And then later on, and corrupted him to whom he gave it before he made him a king. So, end quote. If we believe Justin, Alexander from Epirus was taken by Philip, right? He was promised the throne of his father, but only after he was violated by Philip. Now this, of course, is done so he knows his place. You, Alexander, will always be beneath me, either in the bedroom or in the political scene, right? Get it? Good. I'm sure you've heard a lot about homoerotic sex in ancient Greece. It wasn't, though it wasn't really anal sex like we think of now when you imagine two men having sex. You think anally, right? But the Greeks, anal sex was only used if you wanted to humiliate someone else. And that's what Justin is getting, getting to, that he was, that Alexander was proper, proper fucked by Philip. Alexander from Epirus, of course, right? Not his own son. We weren't that fucked up. We were just a little bit fucked up. Um, Yes, so he was fucked by Philip so he can know his place better, right? The other kind of sex was more like thigh fucking, right? That's what the the pedagogues and all the the teachers would do to the students. They would they would put oil on their what do you call them? On their thighs and they would they would thigh fuck them, right? That's what that was seen as acceptable. That's what probably Alexander and Hephaestion or Hephaestionus did at a later time. Anally was something was a different story. But that's what Justin tells us about Philip. Fuck me, what an episode. What a way to end the episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to read reviews in one second. See ya. Now, a couple of reviews. One by um, Led Zepp 9 oh, I love Led Zeppelin, from United States of America. The title is Great Pod. Five stars. I've been waiting for an in-depth Alexander podcast for so long, and I'm so happy that I have discovered this. It's a pretty informal tone, which is awesome, and was even able to get my history-hating girlfriend into the show. Can't wait for more episodes. Wow. 
Thank you, Led Zepp. Amazing review. Thank you for the five stars. Now, second review by Tommy Ebbs from United Kingdom. Detailed, engaging is a title, but also at times humorous study on Alexander the Great. Been listening to this podcast for a few weeks now and have been thoroughly enjoying it. It's a great thing to listen to a while, drowning out the noise at the gym while also learning about history's greatest figures. Keep up the good work and look forward to further episodes. Thank you both for your amazing review. I think, though, the winner would have to be Led Zepp because um, he also is getting his girlfriend into the show, you know. So sharing, that's the only way to help this episode, right? Sharing, writing reviews, and also donating helps a bunch. Hope you liked the episode. See you later, guys. Take care of yourself. Yeah, I should have probably said... Um, Led Zep 9 Zoso send me an email alexandros.cast at gmail.com and I'll send you a gift and also you can find me on Facebook if you can't be bothered with email Alexander the Great Podcast I should come up hopefully see ya <laughs>